Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. So let's go into prayer and uh, let's go to tonight. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, once again, we celebrate the Word of God and we thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the greatest teacher there is and you're the administrator of life and godliness and the Word is expounded to us. And thank you for the message you gave me. I believe it will go powerful and it will minister life and godliness to the ear. Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're dealing tonight with seven things, seven things to do with the Word. Now this is the introduction to it. Now uh, before I get started, let me just say this to you. According to the Gospel of John chapter 1, I'm going to bring this out a little later, but I just want to quote it here. In the Gospel of John, John's writing chapter 1, he makes a statement that uh, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And he goes on to say, and the Word was with God. And then it goes further, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. That, that in itself is a, you can chew on that for, for, you know, for years to come. Then he throws in, and the Word was with God. And then it makes the statement, think about it, with God. And then it said, and the Word was God. With and was. Now think about that. that. That is a powerful statement. So the Word was with God. Therefore, when he says the Word, he's referring to the Word as being a person. Because the Word was with God. Not just statement, the Word. The living Word. Because in in, we read down in the 14th verse, he said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, the Word became flesh and then dwelt, walked among us, and we know that that was Jesus, the living Word. Jesus is the living Word. Oh, isn't that powerful? And so therefore, the Word of God is a person who is facing God, face-to-face relationship. And that word God indicates the relationship of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So when he's dealing with here, he's talking about a relationship that God had with the Word, and the Word was a byproduct of God speaking, and so the Word and God go together on this. Now, uh, we're about ready to read something in here that is very, very important, and that is seven things to do with the Word. And... uh, we're about ready to enter into a subject. So you can go to Nehemiah, and let me just break this. Let me just break in with this. Nehemiah, most people, the classic verse of Scripture is Nehemiah 8, where it says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. We're going to get to it in a moment. But in that, in that power, that's a powerful statement. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah, man, you know that he was a, an interesting man. He, he didn't come out of just nowhere. He had a beginning. He had a life. He had a relationship. And uh, so this man was, this man that we're reading about, uh, we, the reason Nehemiah is so crucial to us is because he's an everyday man. The reason I like reading about these patriarchs of old, they started off as what we would call just ordinary people who had an, or, had an extraordinary experience with God who radically changed their life. And if you and I could just get into that season, that moment, and have a real encounter with God, God will change you for His glory, for His benefit. And this is important. So Nehemiah is, is at the time, came up as, a, as the children of Israel. We know this. They were in slavery. And uh, there was, there was a, a king, Cyrus, who came on the scene. And he was sympathetic towards 
the slaves of that time, the Jewish people of that time. And so he wanted them to go back to their land. That's who Nehemiah talked to. So Nehemiah comes on the scene on this. So, but here's how his introduction is. He's a cupbearer. So that's important that we, that we understand. He and himself was a cupbearer. A cupbearer was a man who used to drink the, the, uh, taste the food prior to when the king came in and eat, and he would taste the food to make sure he wasn't poisoned. That was a common thing to do was poison the king. If you didn't like the king, you just poisoned the king. Get out of, so so he, you would get him out of the way. So, but also, because he associated with the king, he was a prominent fig- figure in the kingdom. And because he was a prominent figure, people knew who he was. He had respect. So he became a prominent businessman. He also excelled in leadership skills because everybody was that he was around was in leadership. So he was a prominent businessman. He excelled in leadership skills. He also had developed languages from all the different people from the Middle East who had come. So he was a very edu- well-educated man. He could speak different dialects. This man was trained by the best of the best. So here we find that he was uh, accelerating and going. So he not only, but here's very crucial, he not only uh, possessed all of these uh, attributes, something else about him. He had personal integrity. He had a heart for God. And he had a heart for God's people. And he had a heart for the will of God. He had a heart for the plan of God. And he became from a cup bearer, he rose up and became a businessman, prominent businessman, to engaging in becoming a, a governor. That's right, he's a cup bearer, wall builder, and then he becomes this governor. So this major prophet comes on the scene. So in Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to read several verses of Scripture. And, uh, and as you go through the Scriptures, you'll see a variety of the names that are represented here. These are the leaders that Nehemiah had to deal with among him. And so notice this, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 says, And all the people, watch the statements here, all, and listen to, the, to the, how it is. Listen to what he said. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man. Now listen, they gathered themselves. Another reference point says this. They assembled themselves together and they became as one man. When we assemble, we come together as one individual, one man. And so this is the portion of this. But I want you to catch this. The people gathered themselves Notice it wasn't Nehemiah begging them to come. Notice it wasn't Nehemiah emailing them and and text messaging them and saying, hey, don't forget we have service. Don't forget we're gathering. Send it in the mail and, and, uh, and do it. No, they gathered themselves. They knew something was about ready to take place and they wanted it and they needed it and they came together as one man. And listen where they came together, in the streets. Why? Because their tabernacle was removed. Their temple was removed. But just because they didn't have the physical house of worship didn't mean they didn't gather when they could. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we need to get ourselves together, assembling ourselves, uh, as, and this is the important, not forsaking the assembly, as, as the writer says in Hebrews, as the custom of some people is. That's not your custom. I know it isn't. I know it isn't. So I know we're talking about somebody else. But the assembling of ourselves. Watch this. And they spake unto Ezra. They talked to the Ezra. Ezra was their priest. Let me word it this way. Ezra was their shepherd. Ezra was their pastor. Listen to what they said. 
when they gathered, they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Can you imagine? They all got together in the street. They all gathered themselves as one person. And as one person, they said, read us the word. Read us the word. Get the word in us. We want to hear what the word says. What did God tell Moses? Now, they already had this. They already knew this. May I remind you that for 400 years, the children of Israel were in bondage. For 400 years, God, they wanted to break out of that. For 400 years, then God sends them Moses. When God sends them Moses, we have what's called the Exodus. They got out. God said, I'm coming down. I'm sending you, Moses. Go deliver. We know that that happened. Now, years and years go by, and they forgot how they got free. Sounds a lot like our nation today, where a lot of people forget that freedom isn't free. And they got in bondage again, and bowed down and became slaves again. And when the conclusion of Nehemiah is done, we could say that became the second exodus where they left in bondage, they left out of bondage, let me rephrase that, left out of all that stuff and came into the house and the tabernacle where they built. It's so important that we catch that, that we understand that. Ezra, when you read the book of Ezra, he built the house of God, but the house of God didn't have any walls, so it wasn't protected. Nehemiah built the walls to protect the house of God, so they were both crucial to what they do. So you need somebody to build the house of God, and then you need somebody to build the wall on the outside. As ministers of the gospel, we build the tabernacle. We build the word. You as the members of the church are the wall builders that defend the gospel and defend the church. We're all necessary. We all fit together. When we assemble, we assemble as one, all doing our part. And they said, bring us the book. Isn't that awesome? Two, and Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding until the first day of the seventh. And he read therein. I love this part. Watch this. And he read therein before the street. The whole street was filled with people. And he began to read the word. And that was before the water gate. Now watch this. Are you ready for this? From morning until midday. Wow. Can you imagine that? From morning until midday. Before the men. None of the men left. Before the women, none of them left. And those they could understand, none of them left. And the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. Do you know that we're about ready to read something here? Watch this. Uh, I'm going to bypass the names for the sake of time here. Watch this. But we're looking at verse 4. And Ezra, the scribe, stood upon a pulpit made of wood. Wow. He stood up on the pulpit. We use platforms today. But he stood upon the pulpit. That's what they refer to it as. And he, uh, watch this, which they made for the purpose. See, the pulpit's for a purpose. This pulpit here is called a holy desk. Standing behind this podium, this, uh, some people call it a lectern. I'm not giving you a lecture. I'm not giving you a nice talk. What I'm doing is ministry. What I'm doing is equivalent to what Ezra did here. Stood behind the pulpit which had purpose. The purpose of this meeting, the purpose of tonight, the purpose of every service, the purpose we get together isn't just to tickle people's ears. It's to announce the law, the word, the grace, the love, the faith of Almighty God, the power of God, the manifestations of God. We need to hear the word and the people need to assemble themselves with attentiveness and say, I want the word. You ought to be rushing in to hear the word. Now watch this. They were, they were in bondage. Jump down to verse 5, and it says this, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Watch this. He opened the book in the sight of all of the people 
for he was on that podium, that pulpit, and he was above all the people. And when he opened it, watch this, and all the people stood up. That's called reverence. There was a time growing up in the kingdom when preachers would get up, the pastors, and no one had to say, let's all stand. No one had to say, let's clap. No one had to say, let's shout. No one had to say, let's sing. They did it out of deep respect. They didn't do it out of mechanic, mechanics. They did it out of respect and honor. They stood for the word of God. They didn't slouch in their chairs and sit back. And they, and they didn't sit there and play games on stuff. They stood straight up. The word of God was about ready to be written. And it was about ready to be spoken, what was written. Now watch this. And he opened up and all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God. And all the people answered. Watch this. Amen and amen. They answered amen. He opened the book and he blessed God. And all the people shouted amen, amen. Just at the reading of the word, just at opening the book. Oh man, what kind of power would we have in the church today if, we, if just somebody would dare the moment the, the, the minister of the gospel stood up with his Bible in hand and stood up and then the people stood to the reading and said, my God, he's got the word. About ready to open up the word, the bread of life, the living word, that life changer. I could get healed today. My family could be ministered today. Hope will come today. My life will be radically changed. My mind will be renewed. Obstacles will change. All kinds of situations will could be reversed by what I'm about ready to hear. Oh, I got to be attentive to this. So watch this. Ezra opened the book of the sight of all the people. And when he opened, all the people stood. Ezra blessed it. And they all said, Amen. And with lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. All over the word of God. The word, remember, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. When they heard that word, as far as they were concerned, this is God speaking to us. These weren't scriptures. These weren't highlighted verses. This was the word of God. This was God speaking. This was God in, in himself, in his own word. So when they spoke the word, God was in it. Jump down, if you will, and verse 8, it said, So they read in the book of the law distinctly and gave sense and caused them to understand the reading. What we've got to do is give sense and understanding what, what they were reading. And then the Bible says, uh, for all the people who saw it. Now, we read this in, in the latter part of verse 9. It says, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Can you imagine that? They wept. Not because they had problems. Not because they had challenges. Not because they were hurt. Somebody hurt their feelings. They wept because they heard the word. They wept. The word cleansed them. The word worked on them. The word, they were in bondage. Oh, the, how refreshing it is to hear the word. Yes, it's a hard word. Yes, I've got to forgive. Yes, I've got to, but however, it's the cleansing power of God. It is, it is so majestic. It's awe-striking. It makes me bow my knees. It makes me bow before Him and worship. It makes me say amen and amen. It makes my heart rejoice. They're giving me the word. Ezra, my scribe. Ezra, my priest. Ezra, my pastor, read the word of God. Share the word. The word works every time we work it. And when we understand that this is what they did, you'll get a glimpse. Verse 10 said this. Then he said unto them, go your way and eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Send the portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Why? Because they read the word. 
They read the word. It was holy. That's the day you come. When you, when you either are holy, be made holy, we come because it's the right thing to do. We separate ourselves from the world. We separate ourselves from all of the challenges of the world when we come into the presence of God. We shouldn't come in dragging our feet. We should come in excited. Something, or Robert, you say this, something good is about ready to happen to you. Oh, man, preachers used to get mad at him. He used to say, people would say, don't say that, Oral. Don't say that, Oral. You can't tell people something good. And he always said, answer, what do you want me to say? Something bad's going to happen? They go, well, no, don't say that. Just don't promise them something good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, God is good, and he's greatly to be praised. Our God is an awesome God. Right where you're sitting right now, his love is so powerful. His grace is reaching out. God does everything that he said he's going to do. There's no one greater. There's no one bigger. There's no one more majestic. You can't even define in our human language the word God or the word love. He's so massive. Our God is a great God. How dare we, how dare we say that the joy of the Lord is our strength and then be sad. This is what Nehemiah said. I know you're weeping. I know, but here's what you got to do. Take care of everybody. Reach out, help out. And he said, because this day is hard. Then he said this, neither be ye sorry. Don't be sorrowful. Don't sorrow. Your circumstance is going to change. Everything around you is going to change. If you'll just obey and do what the Word says, everything's going to be okay. Yes, you may be going through hardship. Yes, you were in bondage. Yes, you may have lost some things. Yes, things you had may be crushed or washed away. Yes, somebody in your family may have died. Yes, it's true that while they were in bondage, you didn't get all the promises. Yes, that may be true. However, joy does come in the morning, and weeping only lasts for night. But joy always comes in the morning. And this verse says, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. How? Because the word worked. At the reading of the word, joy hit. First it came into weeping. Oh my God, that, that, that's so convicting on my life. But thank you for changing me. Thank you for telling me what I needed to do. I didn't need judgment from a man or anybody else. The word itself <laughs> caused that on the inside of me. Let me tell you this. I was talking to somebody today about this. Do you realize that your God, my God, our God, is a, is a, a very... Uh, crucial and very strict God and he judges strict oh yeah he's a God of judgment you want to know what he judges he judged you righteous that's strict man you're the righteousness of God that's a judgment on your life you are not an old sinner you're the righteousness of Almighty God. He judged your body and said, I call you well. And then slammed that javel, javel down, gavel down. You're healed in Jesus' name. You're the health of Almighty God living on this side. I judge you well. You shall live and not die. I judge you that way. I judge you blessed, not cursed. He's a strict, he's strict with his judgment. Man, that's solid. I make a final judgment in the higher courts of heaven. God says, and he slammed that. He is judging you right now. But he judges you based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's why you can say the joy of the Lord is the But if we don't know the word and bow to that word and love the word of God, hey, we will never know that. You are, we cannot move any farther than our knowledge of what God is. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, it says this. Your words, your words were found. Your words were found. And I ate them. Oh, man. And your words became to me joy and the delight of my heart. And I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. That's the God of warfare. God doing battle in your behalf. Your words were found. I ate them. 
You don't just find them, you look for them, you pursue them, and then when you got it, that's why they bowed themselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 9 through 12 says it this way. Furthermore, verse 9, this is the amplified version of this. Furthermore, because the preacher was wise. Hey, isn't it good to have a wise preacher? You don't want one that's foolish. Uh, The wise preacher, he, Solomon, still taught the people knowledge, and he pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. And the preacher sought acceptable words. Listen to that, acceptable words. I have studied to show myself approved so that I could become a workman who needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I just don't pick up sermons and and listen to other preachers and then try to teach them. I don't do it that way. I get before God and ask, what is it you want your people to learn? I'm teaching you right now what he told me. And so listen, you get the preacher sought acceptable words, even to write down rightly words of truth or correct sentiment. Not only to preach the word, but to make sure it's coming across with the correct sentiment or the correct attitude or the dimension of how it's being worded. And then he says, words of the wise are like prodding goads and the firmly fitted in the mind, like, like nails in the collected sayings, which are given as the proceeding from one shepherd. Now listen to the next verse. But about going further than the words given by one shepherd, or in other words, one wise preacher. He's talking about himself. He said, listen, I'm talking about me. And he says, concerning what I'm saying, my son, be warned. Of making many books, there is no end. So do not believe everything you read. And he, Listen, that's powerful. Therefore, people were writing things opposing Solomon and what he was saying, just like people do today. People will oppose it. People will oppose you, you living by faith, walking by faith, speaking in faith, confession. They call us the name it and, and claim it bunch, the, the, gra- the, the grab it bunch. We, they call us the prosperity cult, the healing cult. Hey, listen. There's people in books writing this stuff. But you can't read. Just because they're a Christian artist, uh, author doesn't mean you've got to believe everything that's being read. You don't have to listen to every garage prophet. You've got to go by what's here. And much study is weariness of the flesh. If you're studying after men, men's knowledge and opinions and thoughts will wear your flesh out. Because there's all kinds of opinions. God doesn't have, he said, he had it in his word in, in Isaiah. He said, how long are you going to be tossed in between two decisions? In other words, make a decision here. Decide what you're going to do. Make a holy decision. So either you're going to follow God or you're not. There's no in between. Either you're blessed or you're not blessed. Either you choose life or you don't choose life. You choose death. It's not in between. There, there's no in between. So we got to sell this. So here's the seven things that we're going to be covering when we go to this. This was the introduction today. Number one is read the word of God. That means which, that word, when you read the word of God, it provides your spirit man with supernatural inspiration. When you read the Word of God, you and I have got to read the Word of God. Number two, uh, we've got to study the Word of God or hear the Word of God. And uh, that means that with that endows our spirit man with faith, which is the key to supernatural application. Hearing the Word of God is supernatural application. Reading the Word of God is supernatural inspiration. Number three, after you've read it and heard it, then study the Word. The study of the Word of God furnishes your spirit with supernatural information. So supernatural inspiration comes by reading. Uh, supernatural application comes by hearing. And supernatural information comes by studying the Word. And then meditate on the Word of God, number four, uh, which is uh, that which supplies our spirit man with supernatural revelation. 
So supernatural revelation comes from the supernatural information from studying, which we get the supernatural application when we hear the word of God and the supernatural inspiration when we read the word. So read the word, hear the word, study the word, meditate the word. Number five, pray the word of God. Now, when you pray the word of God, it elevates and it upgrades us daily as we walk in the power of supernatural relationship. So praying the word provides supernatural relationship. Supernatural relationship is necessary for us to gain supernatural revelation by meditating on the word of God. And that supernatural revelation as we meditate is a byproduct of studying the word of God with supernatural information. Number six, confess the word of God. The language of faith is always now. And when faith is spoken, it speaks in and from the present as though the future has already come to pass. Let me say that again. When faith is spoken, it speaks in and from the present as though the future has already come to pass. Why? Because you're speaking from a relationship, not a religion. You're speaking from who you know to be true. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. Do you know your Redeemer lives? Then we should talk like our Redeemer lives who got us redemption. The last thing is number seven, is that you've got to share the Word of God. Because the Lord can only add to the church daily if we as Christian believers uh, witness on a daily basis, which is the supernatural impartation. When we impart into others what God's given to us based on the Word of God and what we do. So this is important. Let me read them to you one more time, just the headings. Read the Word, number one. Number two, hear the Word. Number three, study the Word. Number four, meditate the Word of God. Number five, pray the Word of God. Number six, confess the Word of God. And number seven, share the Word of God. It is my intention to break these down and give it to you in the next few weeks and give you the sessions on this. It's so vital that we understand the importance of the Word. And these little truths here will help us out. Believe you got something out of this today. Thank you so much for joining us. Listen, the Word of God works. As I do study myself to, to be approved, a workman unto God, so that I'm not ashamed before God or ashamed before you, more so before God. But I become that workman. And in doing so, you're the field I'm working in. So like, like Nehemiah and like Ezra, my job is to open up the book. Your job is to stand bold in front of that word. Oh, man, it'd be, it'd be awesome if on Sunday at our churches, in our church too, but at churches across America, when the pastor got up, people just stood straight up and said, praise God, give me the word, pastor, with the Bibles in their hand. Oh, we shouted. Nobody had to tell them shout. Nobody had to tell them clap. Nobody had to tell them to smile. They just did it because the word of God works. Hey, listen, thank you for it. We love you. Listen. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.